Happy Easter, and uh, I know that this Easter is a little different than maybe what we're used to, obviously spending time with larger gatherings of family and friends, uh, but I want to encourage you today to, to take time to praise Him and to worship Him on this Easter Sunday, on this Resurrection Sunday, uh, no matter what goes on in the world around us. Uh, he is risen, he is alive, he is well, uh, and the wonderful truth is that he's praying for you right now. He's praying over you and your family, and he's interceding, the Bible says, for us, for his church. And so we praise him on this Resurrection Sunday. We thank him that he came to this world over 2,000 years ago, giving his life on the cross, dying on that cross, being buried in a borrowed tomb, and rising again on the third day. We worship him, not as a dead Savior who we uh, remember, but as a living, active Savior who we are worshiping today in the life of Christ that he has given to us through the gospel. And so we are so thankful this Easter Sunday to worship with you and to praise him together. This morning, uh, I am so excited to be starting a brand new series entitled Things Jesus Never Said. Uh, we're going to be talking about some things that Jesus said, but also focusing on some things that Jesus never said. Um, and I want to encourage you to maybe think through some things that maybe you've heard people say that they thought Jesus had said, or things that sounds like it should be in the Bible. Uh, an example of this would be, uh, there's a really popular saying that, that God helps those who helps themselves. And that's not actually in Scripture, it's not in the Bible, but it's been said and perceived to be said so much that we think it is in the Bible. And so there's teachings that have been attributed to Jesus or things that Jesus would have said, we think, things that we would say that Jesus never said, that we kind of accredit to him or we give credit to him for saying. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about not just the things that Jesus said, but the things that Jesus didn't say. Uh, I'm so thankful that Jesus never said, uh, I'm sorry, you've sinned too much. You've, you've used up all my grace. Uh, I'm so thankful that Jesus never said, no, only a certain group of people can be saved and all the rest of the people are just condemned. Uh, I'm so thankful that Jesus never said that his love was only for a select few. I'm so thankful that Jesus made it clear that his love, that God's love as well, is for the whole world. And I'm so thankful that Jesus never said that the way to salvation is by being a good person and doing good things and being perfect. I'm so thankful that Jesus made it clear and said that the way to salvation is through him, a relationship with him by receiving the gospel. And so we're going to jump into some things over the next four weeks that we are so excited about unpacking, uh, looking at the things that not only Jesus, again, said, but that he didn't say. And when we realize the things that Jesus didn't say, that really brings more power to the things that he did say. It makes those things much more, more, more powerful in our lives. And so let's unpack this over the next four weeks and look forward to seeing what God is going to do in our lives. This morning, uh, we are going to begin with something that I think is maybe even more evident to us today, on a day like today, celebrating Easter and Resurrection Sunday, uh, than maybe any other day. And that is, this morning I want to talk about the thing that Jesus never said, is you don't have to forgive them. Jesus never said, you don't have 
to forgive them. Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bible, and I pray that you have it with you there, uh, wherever you are watching this service, uh, Matthew chapter 6, we're going to look at verse 12, Matthew 6 and verse 12, and uh, we're going to look at just one verse to start, and then we're going to pick up a couple of verses um, I'm going to give you a lot of verses through the message today because of our time being a little shorter than normal in some ways. Uh, I really encourage you to study these verses out, to look at these verses, uh, to take some notes, and to really prayerfully consider how God would encourage you in this topic. And so Matthew chapter 6, you're probably there, uh, it says this, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so let's go before the Lord in a word of prayer and ask him to speak to us this morning. Father, uh, we come before you this morning so thankful for all that you have done and will do. We praise you for your resurrection. We praise you that no grave could keep you, no tomb could hold you, but that you are victorious over death and hell and sin, and that you are a risen, victorious Savior. We worship you today for being that risen Savior. Thank you that you, over 2,000 years ago, gave yourself on the cross for our sins, that those who put their faith and trust in Christ, who repent of their sins and follow you, that you will receive them as your children, that you will offer them grace and forgiveness. And all we have to do is call out to you, to cry out to you and ask you to forgive us and you will save us from our sins. Thank you for your gospel. Thank you for this morning. And thank you for your word. I pray that as we talk about this area of forgiveness in our lives, I pray that you and you alone would be glorified. I pray that you'd speak into our hearts and minds. Give us wisdom and clarity. Help us look past our inability and to see the ability that you give us by the working of the Holy Spirit. That it is possible, although seemingly difficult and maybe even it seems impossible, it's possible to, to forgive those that have hurt us and offended us in any way, and I pray that you give us wisdom in that and compassion in understanding these truths. We love you, Lord, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so Matthew chapter 6 and verse 12, uh, part of this, and we're going to look at here, we're just kind of taking a snapshot of the chapter. Um, and this verse falls right in the middle of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And this goes from Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, all the way through the end of chapter 7, verse 28. And it's amazing when you read all the things that are in this sermon. Now, the Sermon on the Mount is not a how-to in being righteous. This is not a how-to in being righteous or how to be good enough to get to heaven. Uh, some people think if I can live out the things in this sermon, then I will be good and I'll, God will you know, receive me and I'll be righteous and I'll be perfect. If I can just do these things in the Sermon on the Mount, I would be fine and I would be I would be righteous enough in my own merit to go to heaven because I've done these things. But really, in my opinion, the point of the Sermon on the Mount is to actually encourage and strengthen those that have and will place their faith in Christ and how we as believers can live and strive to live in this world. That it's, it's an encouragement to say to believers that this is how you can live in this world. Here's, here's something you should strive for in this world. However, uh, to the unbeliever, to those outside of Christ, I believe it is also meant to reveal to them that without Christ, we cannot do what God asks 
of us to do in relation to dealing with God or with others. We can't live in a way that is righteous living or, or perfect living before others and before God without the personal work of Jesus Christ. So I think the Sermon on the Mount, as much as it's an encouragement for the believer to strive and live in this way through the inworking of the Holy Spirit through Christ, I think it's also a challenge and an encouragement to those outside of Christ to say, listen, you can't do these things. You, you can never be righteous enough to do these things because you're never going to be perfect. And so we need to step back when we look at verse 12. We need to step back and realize what's the bigger picture of the Sermon on the Mount? What's the, what's the point of this? And really it ties into, of course, the overall message of the gospel. That, that there were those in Jesus' day that believed that they were good enough, they were righteous enough by following the law and doing all these things, these external things, to be good enough that they were okay where they were, and, and that it was those other people that needed to be forgiven and saved. And so Jesus is teaching and preaching this sermon to encourage his disciples. Remember, he calls them right before this. And he's also doing this to challenge and also, yes, encourage with grace the multitude that is gathered as well. This understanding of the Sermon on the Mount is critical to understand so that we do not try to live out a works-based system of faith or this, I did this so God will do that. The verse we read in verse 12 is part of what we call the model prayer. And so actually it begins in verse 9. Uh, the disciples asked Jesus to be taught how to pray. In verse 9 it says, And after this manner therefore pray you, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then it goes into what we know as the model prayer. Now some call this the Lord's Prayer. Uh, in reality, it's the model prayer. It's an example of prayer. Uh, maybe more of a structure, an outline of prayer. Some have used it in that sense, and that's fine. Uh, but really, John 17 is the Lord's Prayer. This is the prayer that Jesus prays before going to the cross. And this is a prayer that he prays for uh, himself. He prays for his disciples. He prays for the church to come. And it's an amazing prayer in John 17. And so here we see in the middle of this model prayer, we see the idea or the attitude of forgiveness being spoken of here. Uh, Christ is teaching his disciples on this prayer and the multitudes. And it's worth noting that forgiveness is a vital aspect to our prayer life. That as an individual and as a church, that forgiveness is vital and crucial to our ongoing prayer life and the strength in our prayer life. And in fact, uh, Jesus comments again on this part of the model prayer uh, after he's finished teaching. Look at verses 14 and 15. So he finishes in verse 13, verses 14 and 15 say, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And so Jesus teaches the model prayer. Then after that, he gives a little extra commentary to the model prayer. He talks a little bit more about that by explaining or expounding on this idea of forgiving our debtors, those that have trespassed or, or transgressed against us. They've sinned against us. They've done something to us. They've said something about us. They've hurt us in some way. They've, they've sinned against us in some way. And he is saying over and over again in this passage, it is vital that to have an active and engaging prayer life, to be open and honest in our prayer life, to worship God in prayer, and we're going to unpack that in a minute, that we need to understand forgiveness is key and is a key in understanding how to live that kind of prayer life. And so let's unpack this a little more. Uh, how do you forgive? How do I forgive the unforgivable? How do we forgive the unforgivable? 
Uh, we have all experienced this in our lives. Whenever we talk about forgiveness, and many will say, you know, preacher, I get that. I know I should forgive. I want to forgive, but I just can't forgive. I just can't forgive them for that. I can't forgive the hurt. I can't forgive the pain. I can't forgive the wrong. Um, I just can't in and of myself do it. I just, I don't have the strength to do that. I'm just, it's just impossible to forgive them. And, and part of what you're saying is true. Uh, we don't have the strength in us to forgive those that have hurt, offended, sinned against, and wronged us. We can't do it in our own. And that's the point, that as followers of Christ, now we are able to do that. And while I understand why we and many others, myself included, feel that way, that, you know, I just can't forgive them. It was just too great of a hurt. The reality is that you can forgive them through Christ. You can forgive others. Now, I want to be clear here. I don't say that to in any way, shape, or form sound like it's no big deal and you should just get over it. Um, if somebody hurt you and sinned against you and wronged you in some way, it's real and it hurts and it affects us. And I am so sorry that someone hurt you in that way. I am so sorry that someone wronged you in that way. And I understand it's a real hurt and it, it, it affects us. And I don't mean in any way to sound uh, flippant or apathetic about your hurt or your pain. But I want you to know, in spite of your pain, because God is able to work in things that we can't even understand, in our hearts and in our minds through the work of the Holy Spirit, that He can give you the strength to forgive them. He can give you the ability to do that and has already done so. You may never forget the hurt, but you can forgive the hurt. So how do we do that? How do we understand that? Well, the thing I want to focus on is He is our Father. See, that's what we read in verse 9. Our Father. Our Father. That's so key in understanding how we can forgive the unforgivable. We have a relationship with God through Christ, which means we have been forgiven a great weight of sin. My sins, my breaking of God's laws, my disgusting and, and just, just disgusting and wicked and wretched sin. Uh, things that God sees as just vile. They've been forgiven. Why? Because I was a good person? Because I earned it? I deserved it? I, I worked for it? No. But because God, through Christ, offers to us his grace and says, If you will receive my Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, I will forgive you of your sins. I will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And you will spend eternity with me in my heaven. He will forgive you. He has forgiven you of all wrong, all sin, past, present, future, if you are in Christ. You see, because he is our Father, because we have a relationship with him, we have a relationship through Christ. Therefore, we've been forgiven. And the hurts and the pain I've caused God the Father as my creator and as my God, the sin that I've committed, the fist in his face of rebellion, he says, I forgive you. It broke his heart, yes. He is, he is, he is saddened greatly by the sins of his people, by, by the people of this world, by creation. But he forgives in Christ. He extends to us that Grace, And if he is our father and we've experienced that forgiveness for ourselves, then we can then surely extend that to others. While I don't agree with everything that he says, I like a quote from Andy Stanley. And I thought this was powerful in what he said. He says this, quote, In the shadow of my hurts, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. But in the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. And in the beauty of the cross, we see that none of us really deserve or have earned forgiveness. But when I understand what I've received in Christ, I understand the forgiveness that he has given to me through the gospel. I can surely extend to someone else forgiveness. And yes, it may seem like I'm letting someone off the hook or I'm, I'm, I'm kind of 
doing this reward for my enemy, please know that really what you're doing is you're extending grace from one undeserving soul to another. Again, we will read verses 14 and 15 of Matthew 6 and think, okay, if I want to be forgiven by God then of my sin, then I have to forgive others. However, this is not really the gospel. In fact, it contradicts the teaching of Christ that there is none righteous enough to earn salvation. So the way to understand what God is saying, what Christ is saying here, and what he is not saying in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 to 15, is that we have to kind of read it in reverse. We have to read it in reverse. That because we've been forgiven a great debt of sin, because we've been forgiven, now we can forgive others. And if we've truly been forgiven, then surely we need to understand we must forgive others their sins against us. That if I've been forgiven a great sin, surely I can extend grace to someone else. Now, to be honest, Easter uh, is a wonderful celebration of that very fact. Uh, Easter is a celebration of Christ rising from the grave, guaranteeing our salvation. He did all that was required on the cross. He gave himself so that we can be forgiven and free by his grace. An example that speaks to this reality of us receiving forgiveness and then needing to give it away to someone else but that if we've maybe not really been forgiven and understand our forgiveness, we will have a hard time, and even maybe it will be impossible to forgive someone else, is the example of the, in the parable of the unmerciful servant. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. I encourage you to read that passage as Jesus is teaching us that, listen, this man was forgiven a great debt, and yet he comes across somebody who owed him something much less, and he refused to give him grace. And the idea here is, man, if we've really received that grace for ourselves and the working of God's Spirit is in us, then we should surely forgive someone else. You see, we can forgive the unforgivable. But another reality I want to point out this morning as we continue this understanding is we can only do what we can do. We can only do what we can do. We need to do our part in this process. You see, when we forgive someone, we cannot control what the other person does or how they respond. We can only do our part and forgive them. We pray for the strength to forgive them. We make the choice to forgive them. But we cannot make them do anything. Maybe you've forgiven somebody of a hurt, and when you went to them and you told them you forgave them, or you wrote a letter, or you sent an email, or whatever it was, they responded with, well, I don't really care. I don't really care that you forgave me. I didn't do anything anyway. I didn't need your forgiveness. I was fine. You were in the wrong. And they want to cause an argument or some kind of disagreement. You can't control that. All you do is you just express to them, listen, I just want you to know that I forgive you. God, our Father, remember, our Father, God, desires us to extend forgiveness, not so that it helps the other person so much as it even helps ourselves. You see, God wants us to forgive. It matters to Him. So many of us will come to worship God with unforgiveness in our hearts, with that bitterness in our hearts. But the truth is we cannot worship God with all of us because we are holding on to that bitterness. We're holding on to that vengeance and we're not really able to fully give ourselves to Him in worship. We're not really worshiping in spirit and in truth, fully surrendered to Him, fully open to Him. Jesus actually in the same sermon makes it clear to us that we need to be careful when we come to worship that we make sure our heart is right and that if there is any ought, any, any issue between us and a brother or sister, that we do everything we can to make that right. Now again, that doesn't mean we go to them and we make sure that they forgive us or that they receive our forgiveness. We merely go and do our part. We merely go and extend forgiveness to them. And if they refuse to accept it or they want to hammer on something or they want to like not let it go, that's on them. That's not on you. 
but you do your part. Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24 make that clear to us. The truth is we can and must forgive others as an act of worship. See, maybe that's the difference. Maybe we think of it not as something we're doing, but an actual act of worship before your Father. We pray for those that have offended us. We pray that God will work in their hearts and in their minds. We pray that God would change them into the image of Christ as he is changing us. It will be difficult at first to pray for them. It will be difficult at first to think positively or even encouragingly of them. But I tell you, it will radically change your perspective when you begin to pray for that person that's offended you, hurt you, or that you're having a hard time, or hard time forgiving. Your prayer may or may not change the person that you're praying for, but it will always change you. I love what one author said. He said this, holding a grudge doesn't make you strong. It makes you bitter. Forgiving doesn't make you weak. It sets you free. So let me ask you in closing, what's, what's keeping you from forgiving them? What's keeping you from forgiving that person in your life? What is it that is holding you back? Do you think it's unfair to forgive them? Do you think they're getting off the hook? You want to just get even? Let me just tell you, I understand that's the hurt speaking. I understand that's the pain talking. But maybe, possibly, there's a better way. Paul says it clearly in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13. We forgive others as Christ has forgiven you and I. We forgive others as Christ has forgiven us. And I'm amazed by that statement that Paul says it that way. Because to me, when Christ forgave me, he doesn't bring it up anymore. He doesn't hold it against me. He doesn't remind me of my past mistakes or sins. He merely wants me to learn from it and encourages me to move on and keep my eyes on him that he would be glorified. So when we forgive someone, when you forgive someone and have, do you really do it as Christ has forgiven you? Do you let it go? Do you move on? You're never going to forget it. But by God's grace, you can forgive and forgive over and over again. As it comes to your mind, you forgive and you forgive so that you are set free from that bondage that is around your mind and around your heart as you are being drawn back into that bitterness. You reject that and you believe, no, I'm setting that person free in forgiveness. I'm not holding them to that anymore. My final challenge is, are you holding unforgiveness in your hearts? If you are, would you realize that you've been forgiven of so much and you can, by his grace, forgive others? Make that choice today. Let Christ set you free from the prison of your unforgiveness by experiencing his grace and joy anew today and forgiving that person that's hurt you. I know it's difficult to say these things, and I pray that you are asking God for wisdom in this. Just be reminded again that God desires us to be a forgiving people. And I'm not talking about being doormats. I'm not talking about letting people walk all over you. To forgive someone doesn't necessarily mean you give them influence back in your life. What it means is you set them free so that you are set free to experience the fullness of the joy of Christ. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to ask that we be closed in a word of prayer. Ask God to lead God and direct in the remainder of today as we celebrate his resurrection. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your grace. I pray, Lord, that as we lift up your name today, that you would help us to be a forgiving people for your glory and your honor, that in all things we would look to you. Thank you for your grace to us and the gospel you've extended to us. I pray for the one listening today that maybe is having a hard time with this topic. I pray you'd set them free by your grace, that they would know that it's possible. So, Father, thank you for the example. Thank you for the love that you've shown to us. Help us to love one another. And thank you for, for being our Heavenly Father through Christ, that we can come to you in all things. And thank you that you never turn us away, but you receive us as your children. 
Help us to glorify you in all this, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great rest of the day, and we'll see you real soon. Buongiorno a tutti. My name's Scott. Me and my family are your missionaries over here in Florence, Italy. I just want to say thank you so much for what you have meant to us in the past month and a half. Um, as we've been in lockdown, we've received numerous amounts of phone calls, of text messages, emails, of Facebook posts, uh, you know, people asking, how are, how are the pastels over in Italy? So I just wanted to let you know we are safe. We are healthy. Um, it's been such a blessing to be a part of the uh, people's lives in this time that we're able to speak truth in, into their life um, in, the, in a period of chaos. Uh, so just thank you for what you've allowed us to be uh, doing over here, what you continue to do, uh, do to keep us here through your prayers. Um, it has meant a lot to us. Uh, so a little bit about what we've been doing is we went, we took everything that we had online. We've been doing live sermons. We've been uh, doing Zoom video meetings uh, that we're able to talk with people. And we've seen some good um, evidence of God moving through that. So this past week, uh, I spoke on peace and on what that truly means to have peace and through John sixteen thirty three. And it's my favorite verse. So I was probably really passionate about it. It was really good because what afterwards, what happened was that uh, a man named Alexandre, he came, he was a, he was a French man. He came from, uh, to Paris just to visit a friend and, and he kind of, you know, was kind of drugged to church. And so when he came, he, we had no idea. Uh, he was listening and you just don't know about these things. And over the past several, you know, weeks, he'd been wa uh, watching our sermons online and he texted me after last Sunday and I had no idea he was watching. He texted me and said, um, how do I find peace? I, how do I, how do I find that hope? Um, so he asked me if I can give him a Bible in French so he could, you know, read through and, and really discover what hope and peace truly look like for him uh, through the Word of God. That's so amazing. And, and I just uh, just want to just continue praying for Alexandra. Uh, hopefully he, he said he's going to join our Bible study tonight um, on, on Wednesday night. So hopefully he uh, will, will be there for that as we study the book of Mark. As we're coming down, we're down to the end of, of the, the book as right as you know jesus is going to the cross um so it'd be a great time to talk about the gospel and what that truly means for him um so we also saw another man he joined our, our bible study on wednesday night one, one night he's from bologna bologna has been a little bit harder hit than what florence has and so he joined he goes somebody just told me about your church and about that you offer hope and and right now i am i'm struggling in in bologna in the chaos and I just need help. So all 25 of us sitting on this video chat were able to speak truth into his life. It was so cool, so amazing to watch that. We really, before this, this chaos that was happening, we had no idea who Emmanuel was. And so now that we're able to speak truth into him, so it's been uh, so, so good uh, being able to take everything we have online. So lastly, I don't want to give you just a couple... Um, uh, a couple of prayer requests that we have. Uh, you know, many people have asked, how can I pray for you? A couple of things you can pray is pray for, for my family. Um, our girls are safe. Everything is fine. But yet it is also an unsettling time for them. We've tried to focus on who Jesus is and what he has done truly. And we don't have to have fear in our life. We we can trust fully on him. And so the, they're, they're understanding. But at the same time, they, you know, at their level, they need to live that out for themselves. Um, so it's uh, been a very good time of teaching for that. But please be in prayer uh, for them as, as we don't get, hopefully we don't get sick and that uh, the virus just you know goes away as it gets warmer. Um, also, if you can be in prayer for our church, uh, many, many of our people, um, they, they work in, in the tourism industry, so their jobs have gone away. They've lost all sort, uh, sorts of income, and that probably will not return until maybe another year, whenever, uh, next summer, whenever all the tourists come back. 
Uh, so please be in prayer for them as uh, they're, they're struggling. They, they don't know how they're going to feed their families. They don't know how they're going to pay their mortgages, how they're going to pay rent. Um, so please, please be in prayer for them. Uh, and also this time, you know, it's been really, really amazing for us as we're able to uh, minister in a time that we had no, you know, really training, no, you know, preparation for. We, we didn't know this was going to happen, uh, especially when it happened so quick. So the fact that our church is able to give hope and, and light and peace out there, it's just been so good. Uh, so please uh, continue to pray for us just that as a church, we're able to still function. We're able to, to move forward the, the cause of Christ over here in Italy. Uh, it, just thank you so much for, for everything you've done for us. Um, it, it does not go missed. We, we love you. And hopefully next time we're in the States, we can join you know, up again one more time and to, to just talk about all the great things that God has done through this time. Until then, ciao.